Section number 56 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Naomi Brewster, Melbourne, Australia. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book number 8, Chapter 3. Part 8. Spheres of Action, Protestantism This liberality, whether genuine or not, was only a passing episode. The document of 1801 shows that the decree of 1791 was still in force and that the Inquisition was relied upon to carry it into effect. It is a series of questions addressed by the Suprema to the tribunals with the answers from Valencia, and explains itself. Question. Whether prior to the royal order of 1791, foreigners, not Catholics, were allowed to reside in the cases provided by the treaties, and if they were not permitted, what measures were taken to ascertain whether they professed Calvinism? Answer. In case of their not having the benefit of those treaties, as soon as the tribunal had knowledge of them, it made the requisite investigation, and, on ascertaining it to be true, it notified them to quit the kingdom, if they had not special permission from the king. Question. If investigation led to the belief that a stranger was Catholic, and it was subsequently found that he was not, but that he did not speak ill of our religion, or cause scandal, or insult sacred objects, to what punishment was he condemned? Answer. No recent case of this kind has occurred, but from some former ones it is deduced that the Suprema was consulted. Question. Have those who established themselves in Spain, in virtue of the royal order of 1791, complied with the formalities which it prescribes? Answer. As no advice has been sent to this tribunal by the Junta del Comercio Humanida, nor by the Intendente of the Kingdom, it is inferred that no non-Catholic artists have established themselves, or else that the prescription to advise the tribunal has not been obeyed. Question. Whether they, non-Catholic foreigners, contract marriage with Catholics, and, in that case, what is the religion of the children? Answer. But one case of such marriage is known, that of Juan Foch, a German of Lindau, who called himself a travelling merchant, with Bernarda Maria Policia of this city. This was in virtue of a papal brief, passed by the Council of Castile, and with the royal exequator providing that he should allow his wife to remain a Catholic and his children to be brought up in the same faith, and she promised to persuade him to conversion. They were married privately, outside of the church, and without bans or other public ceremonies. We learn from the vicar of Los Santos Juans, where they live, that they cause no scandal, comply with the obligations, and that a boy has been baptised. Question since the royal order, about how many non-Catholic strangers have established themselves, naming some of the principal ones and their nations or sect? Answer. 
This could be answered only by examining the registers required to be kept by the Captain-General and the Royal Justiciers. This tribunal can only have notice by denunciations, which has occurred only with Foch. Question. How many otillos publicos have been held with strangers since 1759, when Carlos III ascended the throne? State the name, country, religion and principal offences. Answer. Since 1759, there has been no otillo publicos for strangers. This document has interest not only as showing the continued vigilance as to foreign heretics, but as indicating how thoroughly successful had been the policy of exclusion. The district of the tribunal embraced a long stretch of sea coast, including such commercial cities as Valencia and Alicante, yet the non-Catholic stranger was still almost unknown, as he had been when the report of 1785 was made. Spain was a land to be shunned by all, who were liable to be dealt with by the Inquisition, and it was left to its isolation. For those who ventured it, concealment of heresy was worse than its avowal. David Bonoran, a French Protestant, domiciled in Bilbao, succeeded in passing as a good Catholic. Becoming converted, he applied to the tribunal of Logroglio to abjure his errors and to be incorporated in the church when in 1791 he was promptly prosecuted for having feigned Catholicism. This sensitiveness survived the Peninsular War and was vigorous to the last. In 1816 there is considerable correspondence respecting the wife of Don Rafino Diaja, settled in Bilbao as a merchant who had married in England a Protestant named Dona Juana de Ansel presumably Jane Hansel. From this it appears that, after a discussion lasting nearly a year, she was given the alternative of leaving Spain or of conversion, and she accepted the latter. This persistent dread of heretics is vividly reflected in one of the last acts of the Suprema prior to its suppression. In 1819 it issued an elaborate series of instructions for the guidance of commissioners at the seaports in the vistas de navios or examination of all ships on their arrival this principally intended to prevent the introduction of prohibited books which will be considered hereafter but the sections devoted to the heretics show that the regulations adopted at the treaty of 1605 were still in force Foreign heretics were not to be prosecuted for acts committed abroad, but for anything done in Spain and causing scandal, they were to be arrested and transmitted to the tribunal for trial. They were not to be compelled to enter churches, but if they did so, they were to pay due respect to the sacrament, and, on meeting it in the street, they were to kneel or remove themselves out of the way. Strangers were forbidden to keep public houses for the entertainment of Protestant shipmasters and sailors and travellers. The commissioner was to be vigilant in ascertaining and reporting to the tribunal everything they said against the Catholic faith, how they behaved in public and in private, and whether any scandal was caused to the faithful. Spain was the same as it had been two centuries before. 
there was one exception however to the prohibition of the hated presence of heretics on spanish soil constantly recurring war necessitated the employment of whatever troops could be had irrespective of their spiritual condition it was the german bands of lutherans under george fronsberg who sacked rome for charles v in fifteen twenty seven foreign mercenaries were continually in spanish service and they grew more indispensable in the seventeenth century with the decline both in population and military ardour the revolts of portugal and catalonia in sixteen forty rendered spain the battlefield and recruits from any source were welcome who of course could not be subjected to inquisitorial interference no matter what their faith the inquisition in vain pointed out the dangers thence arising in a consulta of november thirteenth sixteen forty seven the suprema related with grief that four hundred german soldiers landed at sari sebastian on their way to catalonia were disseminating their errors distributing heretic books and outraging images there was no help for it and after war had ceased on spanish territory the employment of foreign regiments continued to excite its susceptibilities in sixteen sixty eight the suprema arguing in a consulta for the maintenance of its prerogatives urged that they were especially necessary in view of the presence of such bodies of soldiers many of whom were heretics still there was an effort made to preserve the spanish organizations from wolves in sheep's clothing fernando the sixth issued a decree december thirty one seventeen fifty six imposing the death penalty on any heretic who pretended to be a catholic in order to enlist and in seventeen sixty five carlos the third modified this to expulsion from the kingdom under pain of ten years labour in the bang adding that if the heretic when enlisting had sworn that he was a catholic he should run the gauntlet twice before expulsion there was some slight compensation for the presence of these heretics in the field which they furnished for missionary work there were frequent conversions especially when the chaplains were zealous for the salvation of souls one of these was francisco colombano burke chaplain of the first swiss battalion who held a faculty for this purpose as commissioner of the inquisition he writes may twenty third seventeen sixty four from tarragona to the barcelona tribunal forwarding the abjurations of six converts in the swiss regiment of st gaul and giving the names of twenty-four others who were ready for conversion they were duly gathered in when there proved to be ten calvinists and fifteen lutherans the exclusive jurisdiction of the inquisition over heresy rendered its interposition necessary in this for it alone could admit the heretic to incorporation in the church it alone could judge of the degree of his sin determine whether he was rightfully a son of the church through baptism and whether he was worthy of admission through repentance in theory he was a heretic spontaneously denouncing himself and when these conversions became frequent early in the seventeenth century they took the form of a regular trial 
in which the fiscal acted on one side and the convert had counsel assigned to him on the other while in the form of abjuration administered he pledged submission to the penalties of relapse in case of backsliding indeed the suprema felt it necessary april twenty second sixteen o five to warn the tribunals that foreigners coming forward voluntarily and confessing their errors were not to be imprisoned but were to be welcomed their reconciliation was to be in the audience chamber without san benito or confiscation and with spiritual penances only then they were to confess their errors sacramentally and receive absolution for their sins heresy even congenial was a mortal sin to be duly atoned for subsequently the rigour of these formalities was abandoned and the process was facilitated although it was still formidable printed instructions for commissioners apparently drafted in the eighteenth century prescribe a minute examination into the life and history of the convert and his motives so as to be satisfied that his object is really salvation all details as to his baptism are to be specially inquired into so as to be assured whether or not he is really baptized and if there is any doubt proceedings are to be suspended until the tribunal can be consulted he is also made to specify all the errors of his former religion and to utter a profession of faith in which he promises to reduce as far as he can all heretics to catholicism and to denounce them to the inquisition he is also to be asked whether he knows of any heretics save those permitted for the sake of trade and whether any of the latter have transgressed the conditions of their residence also whether he has ever professed catholicism and whether he has been instructed in it sufficiently to incur the obligation of its profession in which case he is required to abjure and to be formally reconciled and is absolved from the excommunication which he has incurred while if he has never known catholicism he is absolved ad cautelam if he is less than twenty-five years of age a curador is to be appointed with all the formalities who is to be present and consent to all the proceedings there is suggestiveness in the contrast of this cautious detail with the multitudinous sprinkling by which jews and moors were incorporated into the church among converts the most curious case in the records is that of johann heinrich horstmann with many aliases of borgenstrich who supported himself during a long life of trading on the rivalry between protestantism and catholicism born about sixteen sixty three he was educated as a catholic by the jesuits of prague when about twenty-five he changed his religion at dresden studying at wittenberg and for many years wandered through germany living on charitable contributions given to him as a convert he even went to england where the archbishop of canterbury and york assisted him when in the protestant canons of switzerland he supported himself as a catholic ready for conversion and in the catholic ones as a lutheran seeking salvation in the church finally in the latter capacity 
he hit upon the lucrative device of saying that he had been baptised in the Lutheran fashion of one person administering the material and another the form. Theologians would pronounce this invalid and that rebaptism was necessary. Some prominent person would be induced to act as godfather and would encourage him with a donation of twenty or thirty ducats and possibly there was an additional collection from the faithful on this he traded for the rest of his life varied with an episode of having himself circumcised in amsterdam and living for some years on the jews there this subsequently gave him trouble for in rome he was recognised as a jew he was tried by the inquisition and sent to the galleys for ten years after which he resumed the profession of a candidate for baptism from lisbon to paris and naples he imposed on the credulity of the faithful and it was reckoned that in all he had been baptized twenty-one times a second visit to spain however brought his career to an end in his eighty-ninth year repeated baptisms in cadiz madrid and valencia aroused suspicion all the tribunals were ordered to be on the watch for him and after a year of searching he was arrested at valencia in seventeen fifty one he told his story freely and fully at first he said that his repeated baptisms were merely to gain a living but subsequently he asserted that he was possessed by a demon whom he hoped to eject by the repetition of the rite the consulted de fay voted that as an apostate and relapsed heretic and diminuto he had forfeited his life but that efforts should be made to save his soul after which another vote should be taken at this conjuncture he fell mortally sick he refused to speak to those who sought his salvation and when one of them told him if he desired to die in calvinism to squeeze his hand he squeezed it with such a grip that assistance was necessary to unloosen it thus he passed away in his heresy on february twenty eighth seventeen fifty two the body was buried in unconsecrated ground in a box of quicklime and in an auto held august twenty sixth seventeen fifty three the bones and effigy were reduced to ashes and scattered thus when divested of legendary amplification spanish protestantism is seen to have been of importance only as serving to tighten the bonds which restricted the development of the nation one of the most efficient means of this end remains to be considered in the censorship of the press end of section fifty six End of chapter 3